Hello and welcome into another episode of the Lion's Edge podcast. I'm your host, Chase Kitty. It's all brought to you by BetMGM, the company that pays my health insurance every week, whether the bets hit or not. Well, we made it post-Super Bowl, which is always exciting, always fun to see the end of a season and then look around and realize we made it, made it to the end of another season. Again, I know I kind of referenced this a little bit last week, but just the, the grind here to get to the end of the finish line, it was heavy, it was a lot. I can, I can speak for our entire team at BetMGM, the whole content team, probably everybody else too. We're tired, but we feel really good about a lot of the content we put out this year. Of course, the podcast is part of that. So thank you guys for listening. And uh, many happy returns for next year. Of course, for betters, the year does not stop at the Super Bowl. I was making this analogy on a uh, on a media hit I was doing over the weekend. It's a little bit like baseball. If you want to be a good pitcher, it's not enough to have a wicked 99 mile an hour fastball. You got to have a second pitch. You got to have a third pitch. And that's what this part of the season is good for, is finding out what that second pitch is that you have when it comes to betting. Because a lot of people bet football. Maybe you prefer NFL. Maybe you're like me. You prefer college football. Uh, although these days I'm betting better. Uh, I have better numbers on the NFL the last few years. My, my splits versus college football. I don't know when that happened. But the point is, football is the bread and butter for a lot of bettors. But when football is over, you need somewhere else to go. I'm hoping over these next few weeks, not just during the NCAA tournament, but but over the next months, I can offer you some different looks. And indeed, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to have some college basketball plays, hockey play, tennis play. Uh, so, you know, I like to mix it up here and, and give you a lot of different looks. That will continue. Of course, I will try to bring on other people who I think are smart, who can give you different looks as well. Nothing is ever guaranteed. It's it's just like I said, it's different looks. I'm trying to give you different angles on sports or spots that maybe you wouldn't think about otherwise. So that's for the end of the show. But for the meat of today's show, just kind of wanted to do some Super Bowl reaction. I know it's been a couple of days now, uh, but I, I wanted to offer some thoughts on how I'm feeling about everything, not just in a talk radio kind of way, but in a let's set up the next year kind of way, like let's let's put down a marker and maybe revisit it later in the year when we're getting closer to the 2023 season. I think a lot of the shaping of an NFL season uh, happens through the media and through sort of common tongue reactions. And I, I think a lot of those reactions are overcorrections. I think they are wrongheaded. And we're going to get into exactly what I mean by that in just a second. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit later to Colton Poole, friend of the show. He's been on the show before. He is a buddy of mine, co-worker here at BetMGM. He was in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. He was at Arizona. So just want to get some insight for most of us, me included, who have never been to the Super Bowl, never gone. Just a little behind the scenes. What's it like being there? Uh, what's it like at Radio Row? What's it, what's it like... Uh, talking to players, uh, what kind of insight do you get? Uh, I think questions that a lot of people are curious about, including s- maybe some of the actual like journalist side. I kind of pick his brain on like what his approach was, uh, and we recorded about 15 minutes uh, live from the Phoenix airport because <laughs> he was trying to get on a plane, go back to Montana, go home. So that's what we're doing today. 
A little bit of everything, a little bit of Super Bowl reaction. Talk to Colton, picks at the end. Let's start here. I was on the Eagles. I was wrong. Uh, I was right for a long time. I looked really smart for a long time in this game, and then ultimately the pick lost. Why'd the pick lose? Doing a little post-mortem, like I'm uh, losing political party after a big general election. Why did the Eagles end up being wrong? Couple reasons. I think one of the thoughts that I was left was was all the narratives in this game were kind of true. Like, the Eagles hadn't played anybody, which I think we knew even before the game, and you can't fault them for that. You can only play who you can play. But when it's nut crunch time, and that defense is going against Mahomes and the Chiefs offense, they were not only gassed, they were lost. And they were they were gassed despite dominating time of possession. So they, they were pretty thoroughly outclassed after halftime. Uh, those touchdown plays, I mean, that was a lot of coaching. Andy Reid had the perfect play call for all of the red zone situations after halftime. A lot of credit there. To me, it felt like a lot of the pieces on the, on the Eagles' defense were good. But those sack numbers were so inflated, I think it's clear now, because every week they just had such a positive game script. All the opposing quarterbacks were constantly in pass situations, and you just get to you get to pile up a bunch of sack numbers when the other team just never gets to run the ball and you're always out to an early lead. So I think a lot of it came from that. But I mean, you have to give credit to the Eagles. They're up 10 at halftime. They're not actually losing the game until the fourth quarter. Mahomes had a brilliant fourth quarter. And the other 45 minutes, the Chiefs were kind of forgettable. And if you recall, that's kind of the same thing that happened in the 49ers Super Bowl three years ago. The 49ers led for most of the game. Mahomes had an awesome last six minutes. And the Chiefs end up winning by 10 or 11 points. So it is interesting that that's the script that ends up playing out. It's interesting to me that even by Mahomes' admission, he says, look, I wish I could just come out and put my foot on people's throats. But sometimes he's got to be behind in order to play his best football. Uh, I certainly relate to that. It's a little bit like uh, how writers need to be on deadline before they can do their best shit. Uh, so I, I I understand it. I'm not knocking the guy. But from a gambling perspective, it is interesting to understand there is an angle here. And the angle is, shouldn't have played the Eagles to win. Should have played the Eagles first half. Shouldn't have played the 49ers to win. You should have played the 49ers first half three years ago. And going forward, if there's a little bit of Super Bowl malaise that creeps into the 2023 season with the Chiefs, maybe you have an opening, maybe we revisit this conversation in six months and start thinking about fading the Chiefs on the first half lines. I'd be interested to follow up. I'm going to put this on my calendar to follow up with uh, when we get to next season because I think there's a real angle here, and it's certainly something to remember going forward for any future Super Bowls that Mahomes might play in because without... Formally looking up, I'm guessing 0-3 against the first half number. Uh, certainly that Tampa game did, wasn't going well. Uh, the 49ers dominated most of the, that game until the fourth quarter. Uh, so fading the Chiefs on the first half line 
may be a good option for future games, future playoff games, future Super Bowls. Uh, I want to have an even bigger skepticism directed at the Eagles. There's lots of talk this week about, I've heard Jalen Hurts is a top six quarterback in the NFL going forward. I've heard he needs to get paid. Give him the bag. Yeah, we love to give people the bag. I've heard lots of different things about how the Eagles are going to be a fixture in the NFC over the next five years, four, five, six years. Are they? Like, we're sure about that? I, I just, I'm skeptical. Um, I, I, I kind of want to see more than one awesome year before I anoint Nick Sirianni as one of the next great coaches in the NFL. I don't know that I would rip up the contract that Jalen Hurts has now and hand him a, a new contract for $35 million. Uh, I think I'd let him play out the one that he has before paying him. I think the Eagles have a lot of, of outgoing free agents. James Bradbury, Fletcher Cox, Andre Dillard, TJ Edwards, Marcus Epps, CJ Gardner-Johnson, Brandon Graham, Jason Hargrave, Linval Joseph, Jason Kelsey, Brett Kern, Gardner Minshew, Zach Paschal, Robert Quinn, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Ndamukong Su, Kaiser White, Isaac Samalo. We're sure they're going to seamlessly replace all those while navigating an off-season contract situation with Jalen Hurts. They're going to be awesome again. We're sure about that? That seems like a lot. You know, these things always have shorter windows than we think they will. Teams are never as good for as long as we think they are unless, you know, they're the Patriots. And then it, you know, it it lasts well beyond the expiration date that everybody else wants. I'm a little skeptical that they're just going to be awesome for the next few years. You know, we kind of did this with the Cowboys a few years ago. Awesome offensive line. Awesome young core. Dak Prescott, rookie deal. Ezekiel Elliott. Rookie deal. Everything's great. Everything is awesome. I don't know. What'd they have? Like two and a half years with that core? With that economic young core that was on cheap deals and everything worked out great? And then they gave a massive contract to Zeke Elliott. They gave a big contract to Dak Prescott a couple years after that. And now they're good. They got a lot of offensive talent. But they don't have the Super Bowl window that's being talked about with the Eagles. I'm just skeptical, man. I'm skeptical. I think the thing that Philadelphia has going in its favor is that the NFC doesn't appear to have a lot of top-end contenders. It's kind of the 49ers. That might be it. Tom Brady just retired. If I'm a high-end player and I'm looking for a Super Bowl window or I'm looking to to find a new team that's really going to compete, I'm going to the NFC. I think we might see a migration like that this offseason during the free agency period. It's a little bit like when LeBron finally left the East and went to L.A. Suddenly, the East got a lot better. <laughs> One, I wonder why that was. Uh, you go where there's a massive opening. You go toward the path of least resistance. It's not taking the easy way out. It's just smart. You know, there's You don't get extra championship points for doing it the hard way. And right now, the AFC has a lot of traffic at the top. So I think we could see some kind of migration. That's really the only thing going in Philly's favor here is that right now, as teams are constructed right now at the end of the 2022 season, 
Not a lot of traffic in the NFC. But I, I am just – I've heard so much content this week about, boy, the Eagles, man, they, they might not have won, but, but they'll be back. I think it's really hard to get back. And I think it's really flippant to just think, oh, yeah, they'll come back. They'll be back. This isn't the end of the run. A lot of times, it is the end of the run. You make one championship run, and then you're kind of done. Like, don't take my word for it. What happened the last time the Eagles were here? They got back to the playoffs the next year. I think they made it to the divisional round. They lost in the divisional round. And then, what? Missed the playoffs a few years after that? I mean, they were... They were in contention for the worst team in football like two years ago. So these windows are always smaller than people think. And and I just, I wouldn't just assume, I wouldn't just write in that the Eagles are going to be back. Uh, and I, I didn't even mention the news this week that they're losing both of their top coordinators. Offensive coordinators going to Colts, defensive coordinators going to Arizona. So brain drain on top of all that. Have fun replacing half the team. Uh, My guess is the Eagles will be in contention to win the NFC East next year, but are not nearly the juggernaut that they were this year. Eagles fans should hold their heads high. They had a great season. They were very close to winning the Super Bowl. And it would have been the second Super Bowl in five years with a totally different core, different coaching staff. That's a lot to be proud of. But uh, I think just writing them back in, probably not how that works. Let's talk to Colton. Okay, it's Tuesday afternoon. I'm sitting here watching the end of the first set between Stefano Sitsipas and Emil Rusavori, and it's time to check in with my good buddy Colton Poole, teammate here at BetMGM, who was in Arizona for the Super Bowl. My understanding is he is currently sitting in the airport. At, uh, <laughs> I I am assuming Phoenix, but uh, what airport are you in, Colton? Yeah, I'm, I'm in Phoenix right now. Phoenix Airport. So this is... Uh, Groundbreaking stuff here. This is the first time we're doing a podcast <laughs> from an airport. So if in, any audio you hear that you're like, what the hell is going on back there? Colton's in the airport. Yep. A bunch of people in the background. How was uh, how was the Super Bowl, man? You got to go. I'm extremely jealous. Yeah, it was an incredible experience uh, from beginning from beginning to end. I, I'm i pretty exhausted. It was a lot of work, but it, it was still in, in incredible all the same. Uh Got to interview and ask questions of for a lot of different people. Ask questions of Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, and got one on ones with you know, for example, Matt Nagy, the former Bears head coach and current quarterbacks coach for the Chiefs. Uh, so you know, just getting to do all of that, write the stories I did, uh, just an amazing experience. To be transparent. For this like little conversation we're going to have for the listeners, we're not going to talk about a ton of football. I think we'll touch on the actual game itself at the end, maybe some, you know, some like looking forward kind of stuff. But I'm just curious. I like a lot of listeners probably have never been to the Super Bowl, so I just want to hear like stories from behind the curtain. Uh, I want to hear cool. You just mentioned a couple names that you talked to. I want to hear uh, what your impressions were of some of the guys you did get to see. Like who the most famous person you saw was. I'm always interested in the delineation of like the sports people that go, which make a lot of sense, but then which non-sports famous people end up at Super Bowl. 
Uh, I kind of want to hear what Radio Row looks like. So just start wherever you want, but but paint me a picture. You know, the first night, it was media night, uh, not too far away from the Phoenix Convention Center, which is where the media center was, and that's where Radio Row, Row was. So media night, they have everyone up on the stage. There's a bunch of fans there. Uh, they have uh, onstage interviews with, you know, the, the star players and coaches. And then uh, the rest of it, it was they surround that stage with about 11 booths of players that uh, everyone could talk to. And there was a big media scrum for everyone to, you know, get to the front and get to you know, ask Juju Smith-Schuster for a question, example, for example. But, I mean, you think of it, you name it, in terms of people who were there that night in, uh, on Radio Row. I, I, you know, walked by Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. Uh, you know, all, all those big media names that you'd think of and, you know, others as well. You know, I, I, sh- I shook hands with Ben Solak from the ringer, uh, you know, Greg Allman, he works for Fox and covers the NFC South. I met him, uh, and a, a lot of different people as well. Um, and so the, the radio row, it was in, in the basement of the convention center and it was just this giant room of, uh, you know, booths set up for any, really any name uh, in terms of media you can think of. Uh, let's I, I, In one walk, I, I saw Mike Golick, Matthew Berry, uh, Schefter and Rappaport, Pat McAfee's show. He was in line behind me in security on the way in one day. Uh, I mean, you name it, they were there. For, for people that maybe don't even know Radio Row, like it's, it's just a bunch of media people that are set up to do Super Bowl stuff. It's... You have a lot of access to players. You broadcast live from the spot. I know our, our friends from Odyssey, a lot of them were there. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Costos and Ken Barkley and, and Trista Crick and Ryan Horvath and all those guys. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious, like, because you get, like, I don't know, six minutes with somebody, right? What, what, kind, what was your strategy, personally, if you know, okay, I get to talk to Patrick Mahomes. I have six minutes with him. Like, what – what are you asking the guy? Like, what are you trying to figure out from him? What's What was your strategy? Yeah, so Mahomes, there was no one-on-one availability. And it was kind of a free-for-all uh, some days where he just sits at a desk. And then if you want to go ask him a question, you can. But everyone's trying to go ask him a question. And there's a whole bunch of cameras. Big Sky Media Day vibes. Kind of like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So everyone's trying to, to you know work their way up to the front to ask Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts their questions. But, and then, and then elsewhere, right next to him, for example, Harrison Bucker, the chief's kicker, there's no one at his booth. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, But, but then, you know, throughout the hotels they were at, they were staying at different hotels and they had media, they had shuttles from the media center to their hotels when there was their availability hours every day, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so elsewhere, uh, other than those desks, there was literally anyone on the team that you wanted to talk to, the backup tight end, the you know linebackers, and then even the uh, coaches as well. That's why I got five minutes alone with, uh, with Matt Nagy, and I asked him, I wanted, I wanted to ask him specifically about Patrick Mahomes' injury and how maybe the strategy changed because his mobility may have been limited. And so he, he gave me some great insight for, you know, talking about how the game plan changed for the AFC championship and and how they, they were expecting for him to the whole playbook to be open in the Super Bowl and you know as, as hurt as he looked you know you saw that too you know he, he did some damage with his legs so uh yeah. 
yeah, that, that was my strategy was, you know, get to ask a question of Mahomes and the big names, but also get some great additional insight from, you know, other names and other coaches as well. Who was uh, the most the most unexpected surprise that you enjoyed talking to? Like some, maybe an athlete that you didn't really expect much from, but maybe you got a good nugget from, or, or somebody that's completely off the radar, you didn't even expect to see there, maybe a non-sports person. Oh, man. Non, non, well, in terms of people on the teams, I, I had a great conversation with Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, there was no one sitting at his at his desk one day, and so I thought, you know what, I'll ask him about Jalen Hurts. And then he kept talking, and you know, uh, maybe I'll ask him about Miles Sanders, and he, he gave some, some great stories. That was a great conversation. Radio Row, it, you know, I it was awesome to see all those people, but at the same time, you know, I was there to be a professional too. You know, this was my first Super Bowl, but I wanted to be a professional and not fanboy over all of these, you know, these people that I've idolized for a while. So, so I tried not to interrupt them. You know, just say hi, I'm Colton, and then see you later. Uh, we we all got we all had work to do. We were all swamped. We all had. Uh, you know, responsibilities. So I, I didn't get to have too much of a, a sit down with many people um, in, in, in those terms, but uh, I did get to, like I said, you know, at least shake hands with them. So that was pretty cool. And that is, that is like the worst kept secret in the sports media is that like, you know, it's awesome to cover the Super Bowl, but it's also, it's like networking central for everybody lines up their next job <laughs> at the Super Bowl yeah. the, when their current <laughs> job falls apart. Uh Talking about the game itself, um, what did you expect going into it? You know, I I had the Eagles. I I thought that they were the more complete team. I thought their defense was better. I thought their defensive line was going to do was going to have much more of an impact than they did. Uh, so those were my expectations. But you know, right away, I think the Eagles scored the, on their first possession. Then the Chiefs marched right back and score on theirs. And you know. I, I thought it was going to be lower scoring as well because the Eagles defense was going to be able to do more than they did. What a fun game. You know, what a back and forth, you know, two qu- great quarterbacks uh, going back and forth. And at the end of the day, it was all about who had the ball at the end. And the, the Chiefs made sure that they ran the clock out. And, yeah. you know, I, <laughs> I did have Jarek McKinnon last touchdown. And so that that killed me oh, watching boy, him right uh, there. sit down yeah. on the I know while sitting down on the one yard line. Um, so, so that was a bummer, but uh, you know, just a, a great game all around. Where do you think these two teams go from here and the chiefs, you know, it's an easy answer. Maybe, you know, I think we all understand like the chiefs are going to be around for a long time. I, I think I've heard a lot of Eagles hype this week after the game, like, Hey, you know, they lost, but they'll be back. Like Jalen hurts. I've heard a lot of Jalen Hurts as a top six quarterback in the NFL takes this week. Uh, I've heard a lot of you mm-hmm. know the Eagles are going to be the power in the NFC for the foreseeable future. I talked about a little bit about this in the open, so like the listeners kind of already know where I stand on this. But I'm curious, uh, just like how you feel. You know, you liked the Eagles going into the game. I liked the Eagles going into the game. So I'm curious, sort of, how you feel after the fact uh, about where they go from here, just very generally. Yeah, I, I think that's a big question mark now that, uh, you know, Shane or, uh, yeah, Steichen from the Eagles, their offensive coordinator moving on, uh, you know, that I, I, I think that kind of changes, you know, what they're going to do. Uh, there's talks that they might promote Brian Johnson for offensive coordinator. 
from quarterbacks coach. Uh, and I think that would be a very good move, move because you know, look at the work he did with Jalen Hurts this year. Uh, so I, I think continuity there is going to be a big, uh, a really, really important aspect of all of that. And Colton, let me cut you off real quick, just because you may have missed this. It happened recently, and I know you're in transit today, so you might not know this. You saw the news about the Colts. It looks like the Cardinals are going to hire Eagles defensive coordinator, oh. Jonathan Gannon. Wow. So even yeah. more brain drain. Yeah. It's not official yet, but that's, it's, you know, unofficially okay. official. It's going to happen. Uh, so they're, they're going to, they're going to have a lot to deal with. It looks like going forward uh, in, in terms of how they reorganize the team and what it looks like going forward to say nothing of uh, Jalen Hurts contract negotiations. I think he's got one year left on his rookie deal, but at some point they're going to have to do something with that. I just wanted you to have that information uh, while answering the question. Go ahead. Sorry for interrupting. Okay. No, no, no. Uh, you're totally good. Jo- Jonathan Gannon moving on to the Cardinals, uh, the Eagles defensive coordinator. I, I think that's going to be an underrated uh, uh, sequence in all of this too, what they do on that side of the ball, because they were so great defensively. I think that will get forgotten, I think, in all this in their run to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think 70 sacks in the regular season, uh, you know, that was phenomenal that they could get that much pressure on opposing quarterbacks. You mentioned the, the defensive numbers. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Again, this is something I kind of alluded to in the beginning. But um, I, I'm kind of curious. The Eagles had insane defensive numbers this year, especially in, in the sack department. But I have to wonder... Like they played with such a positive game script. They were always playing from ahead. Their opponents were always in pass oriented mm-hmm. situations. Uh, it, it just feels like, and, and you know, everybody, you know, much hay has been made about the, the strength of schedule stuff. Obviously, that won't be repeatable next year because they'll have to play a division winner schedule. I just wonder how much of it is regression bound. It, it feels like so much of it is going to be. Hey, congrats on the awesome year, but Jalen Hurts is going to regress. You've got brain drain in the coaching staff. You're going to have less top-end players because you're going to have less money to work with. It just feels like, you know, we always think these teams' runs are going to be longer than they actually are, and they play in a division that's got other teams that are, you know, the Giants are on the come up. I, I like the commander's roster situation, even though there are obvious drawbacks there, the Cowboys have a lot of firepower, if nothing else. I'm skeptical. A hundred percent. And yeah, there's plenty of good reason to be skeptical. So much went right for them this season to get to the point where they were, you know, even to make the Super Bowl, you know, they play the 49ers who were stuck with Brock Purdy, who, you know, couldn't even throw the ball in the second half. So, you know, like so much had to go right. And so I don't know, Right now, I, I probably would not pick them to to win the NFC Championship again. Uh, I think they'll still be good. They'll still be in the playoffs, in my, in my opinion. But it, to your point, you, you the defense did so much, so so much in terms of setting them up for success. And I I don't know if that level of success is repeatable. Uh, and it, you know we lo- we talk about them losing their coordinators too. I think that's going to be a big difference. Uh, and you know, I, who knows what that Eagles offensive line looks like. It was absolutely elite this year. And so there's really nowhere to go, but down when you're that good, right? Exactly. You, know, you can't sustain that level of excellence for so long. Like people always talk about the Cowboys offensive line. They had like 18 months where they were really good. And then 
you know, it, you just go south because that's the way, that's the only way you can go. And because that division is so competitive, I think, I think the Giants are, are going to be pretty good, you know, at a second year of Dable and getting his guys in and the guy in the scheme that he wants, you know, I, I, I think the Giants, <laughs> there was, a, there was a point where, you know, they were going to clearly regress. They were winning at a crazy rate uh, compared to the talent they had on the roster. But then I think they kind of came back to earth and, you know, they were about what you'd expect. They make the playoffs, they get to the second round. And, but at the same time, like I, I still think with everyone on that team and I think they're only going to get better. I mean, that receiving core, how can you get worse luck in terms of uh, injuries and things like that? So I, I, I think that this division is going to be very tough and uh, very competitive. And so, like I said, I, I don't know if the Eagles are going to be as dominant next year because of all the factors we talked about. Are you going to lobby the bosses to go back next year? Are you going to take the year off, watch from Montana, <laughs> watch from home, or are you going to go back? Oh, absolutely. If I get the chance to do this, I'm going to do this every single year. You know, I this was... I think it was valuable on a lot of levels, you know, getting to write the content I did, uh, you know, interviewing the people I did and meeting the people I did. I think, I I think it went a long way. And so if I get a chance to do this again, I mean, selfishly, it was, it was so much fun. Uh, I'm absolutely going to want to do this again. All right. And of course the content Colton's referencing, you can check out on the roar. Uh, the BetMGM blog, that link is always in the show notes, so you can just uh, check that out from there. Go right over to the blog, catch my content, Colton's content, uh, everybody's stuff on our team at BetMGM. Uh, Colton, thanks for hopping on here. Uh, get home safe, get some sleep. Uh, have I know you're taking some time off the rest of this week, so uh, well-earned. Uh, you deserve it. Hope you have a good time uh, away, from, away from the grind. Yeah, thanks so much, Chase. Appreciate you. All right, thanks again to Colton for spending some time with us in the Phoenix airport. Again, he's super tired. The guy's wiped out. So I appreciate him giving us some time, and I hope he can uh, have a few nice days off here, and I'll talk to him next week. Let's talk picks for Thursday. Number one, let's do a little tennis. Delray Beach. This is a small tournament in Florida, men's tournament. Stefano Tsitsipas, we all know him, one of the top players on tour. He's the number one seed in this tournament. He's playing Janik Sinner, who is a very high-end player, top 20 guy, so very talented in his own right. Interesting number here, uh, Pass is minus 160, Janik Sinner plus 125. This number screams to me that Pass is going to lose. Uh, and he did not look good in his Tuesday match against Emil Rusevori, which I think I was watching when I recorded that segment with Colton. Uh, he didn't look good in it. He, he won in straight sets, but boy, he had to work for it. Uh, he probably should have lost the first round and just kind of pulled it out of his ass at the last minute. So I think knowing that, knowing how good Sinner has looked recently, and looking at this number, anytime Tsitsipas is minus 160 against a player that he is generally a, a head above, a head better than, uh, this is kind of fishy for me. I think Janik Sinner here at plus 125 is a really nice dart to throw and, and, a, and a good number for a really good player. Uh, but the, the play I'm actually going to recommend here is the total at 22.5. I think they're going to get over this. I think this is going to be a war between two really good players. I think we're going to get at least one tie break, maybe two. I think this could easily go to three sets. 
this is not going to be one guy pounds the other. I, that would be very surprising. And if anything, if if it somehow is, it's going to be, I think, center pounding Sitsipas. So I like the over 22.5 games, and I would really, really think about throwing a dart with center at plus 125 as well. I think really good value there for a player of his caliber. NHL Thursday night, the San Jose Sharks this year, not a good home team, but they are pretty decent on the road. Basically a 500 squad when they're outside of San Jose. Uh, this game tonight, they're playing the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas opens as a big minus 235 home favorite. And by the way, they're pretty lousy at home too. Uh, that number down to minus 210, perhaps because of those home road split factors for both teams. Uh, but it's 89% of the tickets on the Golden Knights, and yet the number is moving toward the Sharks. That is clearly, clearly pro-action, sharp signals pushing the line. So I'm actually going to be on the Sharks here. Uh, it's probably the team I have bet the most. I keyed onto this Sharks road thing early in the season, and I have bet a lot of Sharks money line this year. So this is another spot where I will be on the Sharks at the big, healthy, plus number. Last thing, college basketball. Two CAA games for you. Number one, Monmouth at Northeastern. Monmouth is one of the worst teams in college basketball, or so Ken Palm will tell you. What Ken Palm won't tell you is that Monmouth kind of weirdly figured things out. Uh, this is this is a late bloomer team. They were 1-20 about three weeks ago. But all of a sudden, new point guard kind of figured some stuff out. Uh, and they have won five of their last six games. Here they go to Northeastern, another garbage CAA team that's not very good this year. 296 on Ken Palm. Uh, let's see here. 4-10 and ten conference record, 8-17 and 17 overall. Monmouth is playing like a legit conference contender right now. Now, they're too far out of it to really be that. Uh, they will probably have a shot at the CAA tournament title, uh, but they're nowhere near the regular season title. They just lost too many games before they figured things out. But in a one-game spot against Northeastern, I really like them. So do a lot of other sharp betters that have caught on to this trend with Monmouth and have started really hammering them the last couple of games. This game opened Monmouth plus 7.5. It's down to plus 4.5. I'd still take it at 4.5. I would take Monmouth to win outright as well. This is a this is a real live money line dog. So I would be on both of those. Uh, they beat North Carolina A&T twice in the last three weeks. They beat Delaware. They beat Drexel. They won at Stony Brook. All uh, the, the A&T games and the Stony Brook game are kind of in line with where Northeastern is in this conference. They're just not very good this year. They've been really good many of the last several years, but not this year. So I think Monmouth's going to win this game. Uh, I'll take the four and a half points, and I will take the outright win as well. Another CAA spot that I'm looking at and will be betting today, William & Mary Stony Brook, right down the road, Williamsburg. Uh, this game's actually on Long Island, but William & Mary, right down the road in Williamsburg for me. I like under 129.5 in this one. Uh, if you're a podcast listener or a column reader, you know I like to bet those unders on numbers in the 120s. This one qualifies after a little bit of line movement down. I think it opened at 130.5. So now down into the 120s. I like this one. I will be taking the under here. Of course, I just mentioned it. The daily college basketball column, if you want more content from me, 
head over to the Roar, the BetMGM blog. It's linked in the show notes for this podcast. You can also go to my Twitter account and see the pinned tweet that I have. Uh, Every day, I update my college basketball plays every single day at the Roar, weekends included. So if you're ever in need of a couple new looks for college basketball, just pop over there, see what I'm betting for the day, and uh, maybe you want to jump on that as well. You can also follow me on the Action Network app, get all my random tennis stuff, basketball, hockey, sometimes NBA. I've been pounding the Jaron Jackson stuff since the Reddit thread came out. Uh, He literally has not missed a prop number yet. Steals and blocks. Every game hasn't missed. Uh, Going on a month now. It's awesome. So you get lots of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, stuff that I'd love to talk about. Uh, I'm always I'm always open to DM about stuff, but it's just you know it's a once a week podcast and we can only get to so many topics. So uh, lots of extra looks if you're looking uh, at the blog or action or, or stuff like that. Uh, that's gonna do it for this episode. Thanks again to Colton for popping on, telling us some cool Super Bowl stories. Uh, we'll be back. We'll be back soon. NCAA tournament right around the corner. Really looking forward to that. Good luck with your bets this week and beyond. Until next time, take it easy.